Hey, Tommy from the Run Testers, and welcome to the Run Testers podcast. In this episode, we are going to be talking about marathon shoes, um, specifically around how you should be picking your marathon shoes, what things you need to be taking into consideration when you do that. We'll also be talking about some of the latest kit, like the Nike Vaporfly 3, Mizuno Wave Radium Pro, and the Hocker Rocket X2. And we'll be answering some of your questions at the end of the podcast. We also have a special treat on this episode because there is an interview with Puma athlete Rose Harvey that Nick did uh, a few weeks ago. So get to the end of the podcast and you can listen to that. Right, let's jump in and do the podcast. Okay, guys, the uh, we're back again for the podcast and uh, we have plenty to talk about this time. The main thing we're going to talk about later on is marathon shoes. But first, let's just jump in and talk about training, racing, all the things that we've been up to over the past few weeks and the things that we're going to be up to to give the listeners a bit of a feel for what the run testers have been up to. <laughs> Nick, you, you, let's start with you because you have races coming up, don't you? Uh, I've got a race this weekend. I've got the Southern Relays in the Olympic Park. I've got a 7.2k race coming up, so guaranteed a PB, which is quite nice. But I've mostly just been getting back to fitness. I'm reasonably fit again. haven't done big mileage, but my knee is fine again. I've got about a month before um, B-Day, B-Number-Two Day, uh, potentially, and then everything will we'll see what happens then. But um, yeah, I had a really good track session this week. Lots of fun. Yeah, I feel I feel fit, and it's very very pleasant to suddenly feel fit again we've had a bit of a layoff but i haven't done much so what you're going to wind down soon then is it i'll do i'll be stripping back the amount of days i run mostly be running on um, work days and probably do shorter distances but ah uh, you know be all right we usually work something out we work something out with the first kid we'll work something out with the second kid it'll be all right i'm, I'm just waiting for the time when uh, there's a new fastest run tester I just need to maintain uh, beating Tom. So as long as I don't slip, what, three minutes off my 5K pace should be all right. <laughs> you have to slip quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're worried at the moment, are you? But it's going to be a sweet day when I overtake that, Question. when you're down to 21 minutes. How long, Tom, do you have to like maximise Nick's layoff period? And well, what, the problem what is races can older. you target in that period? Like, how quick can you train up? I, I just, yeah. Well, I, I'm technically I'm I'm going downhill a bit now because I'm over forty now and struggling to to, to maintain my training. So, uh, it's, if I did manage to beat Nick, it's not be that that would make my. My, my life, I think. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's going to be it's all a... about the V40. That's where it's at. I think Don't I've got a, about the other categories. I reckon I've got a mental edge if it comes. Even if we were the same fitness, I think you'd be you'd panic if you were ahead of me in the last K. I reckon that I reckon I can get inside your head. It'll be all right. I just sit on your shoulder, whispering. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Jill, yours, your running time at the moment isn't going quite so well is it no so there's nick being like oh look at me i'm getting back to fitness <laughs> like i was super fit i was in my best form ever i was running pbs in training um and then something went ping <laughs> yeah so um i uh had some amazing training did like a 22 miler that was like beyond anything i could have expected looking in really good form and then took a couple of down weeks to do um, well and I had a natural down week after that and then agreed with coach that I could try and race a 10k at the end of the next week to try and get a qualifying time for night of 10k pbs did that smashed my pb quite nicely and then um had kind of a you know slow ramp up the next one ran again the next day 
and then was kind of getting back into it the week after that, feeling really good. Went to do some mile reps, felt a bit funny at rep nine. And then rep 10 started and went, ah, as I ran into the rep and um, tore, well, I think it's a slight tear of my plantar fascia. Oh, no. Yeah, which apparently everyone tells me is quite unusual, (laughs) Um, especially if you've not had plantar fasciitis before, which I haven't. So, yeah, it got a nice little bruise on it. Um, Had to go and get some crutches off a friend because I was hobbling around the place and starting to walk weird. So, yeah, that that was um, made Andy's day, I think. (laughs) (laughs) When I texted him, went, I might have a slight issue here. We're three weeks to Manchester. But on the upside, I've got my second physio appointment tomorrow. And things are feeling a lot better. In the meantime, I've been having some horrific bike sessions set for me, um, <laughs> which are certainly along the lines of if you've ever listened to Magnus and Marcus on coaching, which if you're a running nerd, you probably have. They talk about callousing sessions, the kind of ones <laughs> where it's all about your mind. And bike sessions are for sure callousing sessions. <laughs> so, hopefully oh, wow. a week off has not lost me too much if I can run. It's just going to be that tricky thing of like, is it too much of a risk to try and race Manchester um, or not? Is it three weeks? Yep. So it's, I mean, it's not at all the ideal time, but in a way, it's the ideal time. If you can maintain cardio fitness, you probably won't mm. really lose any legs because, mm. yeah, that 20-miler was pretty awesome on Strava. Yeah, I was due to have a 20-miler like the week that's just gone that I've missed. So that was going to be, quite, I guess, probably my last big mileage run. Yeah. So it's going to be as much getting in my head as anything else I imagine because yeah it's just kind of knowing where you're at isn't it and not having done those last kind of big ones um Mm. you know now if I even if I start running tomorrow it's like two weeks out so you can't really do anything major two weeks out but it's perfect come back um, for the taper it actually sounds quite good Jill I think you should uh (laughs) yeah you'll avoid that nasty Andy uh seven times 3k session he likes doing so do do that on the bike instead (laughs) seven times 3k session yeah. We do seven times, six or seven times 3K at marathon pace with float in between. So a kilometre, which is about 40 seconds off marathon pace, something like that. So it's you keep mm. you keep moving. You don't slow down and jog. And it's normally the session that feels amazing. But that said, it's felt amazing before bad and good marathons. So it, it yeah. can go either way. <laughs> Love a float. Love a float. <laughs> what about you, nice. Tom? You, uh, you're running again now. You're, no, you injured yourself as well, didn't you, last week? Oh, only from Barcelona Marathon. So not okay. not like a proper, didn't like pull anything or rip anything. It was just bruising from the marathon, basically. But it's fine now, so not a problem. But yeah, I need to. Um, so Barcelona marathon was two weeks ago. Wasn't a, a race. I basically went along with a load of mates from home who'd not done a marathon before, and it, it was essentially a stag do with a marathon in the middle. <laughs> and I've never. That's the most hungover I've ever I've ever done a marathon. It wasn't fun. It took me about two hours to get through the hangover and then i was in pain from the the marathon but i still i still beat him and that was the that was the end. <laughs> my fear was that i wasn't gonna my friends are gonna beat me um but that was that was just a fun marathon i'm gonna start yeah, doing yeah. fun marathons in the spring and then serious marathons in in autumn now was it their first marathon it was about so nine of us went and only only three of us had done marathons before and four did us, they run hungover as well yeah, most of us did. Yeah. <laughs> there was wow. an incredible amount of uh, chat about this marathon going back almost a year. It feels like before you did Berlin to uh, Chicago, Tom. Everyone was like really up again, and then you ran fast in Chicago. Everyone kind of gave up and beaten you. So it's just been a. There's been yeah. at Tom's birthday last uh, summer. There was 
all of his friends I had met before were coming up to me just going, oh, how can we beat Tom? How can we hurt Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Ollie, the you met, he, he was only three minutes behind me. And I was getting a little bit worried because he, I started quite far back in, in the wrong pen because I needed to go to the toilet. So he started like 20 minutes before me. So I had no idea where he was, if I was catching uh, up with him. So I did, mentally, I was like, oh, I, it's got me on this one. But yeah, three, <laughs> I was still three minutes ahead of him. Uh, but yeah, now, now I'm trying to work out not really bothered about the spring ones, but the autumn ones, I think. Well, I'm do- definitely doing Abingdon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That'll be my A race unless I can get in a Berlin place or something. And then that'll be my A race. But I need to. Hmm. I-, I think I want to go sub 250 if I get. Probably not sub 250 in Abingdon, but um, maybe Berlin, I'd go for a sub 250. Mm-hmm. You two can well, run together sometime, right? Yeah. Well, Nick, well, Nick's down and out. I'm creeping slowly <laughs> towards him. <laughs> I'll come and pace the first 10 miles if all flights are paid for. To Abingdon, yeah, sure. Has Abingdon that? I mean, always had a reputation of being like the last chance saloon to get a sub three in the year, but I don't know it's, if it's actually that quick. It, I was reading, I, I don't know too much about it, but I was looking at the course elevation, uh, the course profile. It's not flat. It's like, yeah. there's, there's a few undulations in it, and it's got a bit of elevation to it. And there's like there's a little trail section as well in between two roads so yeah it sound like an ideal fast marathon but yeah it's a funny one it was my first one back after having oh, uh, my it? kid yeah yeah ah. and I did it on a day when it was so misty that like you couldn't see where you were running to for like at the start of it it starts on a track mm-hmm. um and then um yeah you kind of go off it's not closed roads so that's a slight ah. issue because there's one road crossing where I actually had to stop and let a car go by. Oh, that's annoying. Um, yeah, I know. You kind of want closed roads for a PB attempt, don't you? Kind of, yeah. It's, I mean, it's quite, it's, it is a really good course. And and to be fair, like it didn't feel, I mean, I was just excited to be back running, to be honest, but it didn't feel massively undulating at the time. There's a few like bits where the, the trail bit isn't super traily. It's like, right. you know, like a hard packed path. But you have to go through one of those, like, you know, trail gates almost, like to stop yeah. cyclists oh, no. going through. You have to go through that. So, but it's not, not like it wasn't busy enough that that was an issue. And someone was, um, oh, the guy from, um, is it like the 3D gate analysis company? I can't remember what they're called, but um, he was doing a world record attempt with a running buggy. So it wasn't like that tight. Um, and and he, he managed to get it and stuff. So it is it is a fast course, but it's like, you know, it's not super busy. There's not loads of support, but it is a really well organized. And you'd finish with a lap of the track as well, which is sort oh, nice. of lovely. Yeah, really well organized and like proper changing rooms. Like it starts in a leisure center, which is just like, you know, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> rather than like some field in the middle of nowhere. So, nice. Well, okay. Well, now I just need to work out how I train if I get a coach or whatever. Get a yeah. coach. I think, well, I am thinking of getting a coach. I'm in the market for a coach now. Didn't Kieran run Abingdon? Wasn't that the one he did to completely to feel and ran really Yeah, well? he ran that last year, yeah. But I think it was quite, it was torrential rain when he ran, was it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Did, oh, was that the Prime X one he did? Prime X doesn't count then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, right. So, uh, running fact? Running, running facts. facts. Before Tom does this, I want to make it very clear. He texted me earlier today saying he'd got some really good running. So he's he's really built them up, saying he's not you know not the normal rubbish. No, they're not all good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start off with a less good one because okay. uh, I'm saving the, the good ones for later when the, the listeners uh, are getting a bit bored. So you know, my my cat's here just out of frame listening, Tom. So I hope you uh, hope you impress her. Your cat wouldn't be impressed if. 
I did something amazing. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's never been impressed by. And I was also <laughs> thinking as well, this podcast, it, there's a lot of marathons coming up over the next few weeks. So some people might be listening to this whilst running the marathon. Whoa. Uh, so if you are running the marathon, oh, this no. boys, keep going. Stop keep now. Going. No, have, a, no. have a break. <laughs> have a break. Yeah. Stop for that car. Um, right. Okay. Running facts. Okay. So apparently the concept of run, uh, cushioned running shoes is relatively new. Before 1970s, most running shoes had a thin sole with little to no padding. But in 1972, Nike introduced the moon shoe, which featured a thick cushioned sole made from EVA foam. Uh, which was a major breakthrough in running shoe industry uh, and helped to prevent injuries caused by repetitive impacts of running on hard surfaces. But um, that's a chat GPT fact there. Using, uh, uh, Tom's very into chat GPT these days. <laughs> I work in content, so that's all I need now. Sorted. Life's got very easy. Okay, so that was the weakest of the running facts. <laughs> Why first? I've got a couple of absolute beauties later, which I read, and I was like, that's actually uh, that's the kind of thing I'd sell people in the pub. Are these all from ChatGPT? No. Okay. No, I've got a couple that I actually sat, sat and thought about for a while, thinking, I wonder what why that is. I like and this. I, yeah. I found it out, so I actually did a little bit of work on it. Okay, another one of those in a bit. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about running kit. We didn't actually, uh, we didn't really talk about a lot of kit last time. What did we do in the last episode? It was a special, wasn't it? Uh, we, we... <laughs> Tom, I can't remember anything right now. Yes, no. it was um, it was your crossover with um, Jay Wilkinson, wasn't it? Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one. So that was that wasn't an official uh, TNT episode. Uh, no, that was that a little treat celeb, to promote uh, the, the Chatterbicks. Uh, yeah, if, if anybody is new to the podcast, if you go back to the last podcast, there's a there's a fun interview I did with uh, Joe Wilkinson and Dave Earl on their Chatterbicks podcast. So go and have a listen to that. I listen to it all the time when I'm out running. Not that episode, all of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, I can't remember. I think we skipped it last time because I think we had we did a special or something. But um, we've got quite a few bits of kits to talk about now. So the big one, and this is area of contention uh, amongst the uh, the run testers, because only Jill has got the Vaporfly three. Ah, that's because I bought them. Well, I didn't buy them. My entire family clubbed together <laughs> and bought them for me for my birthday. So yes, I do. I have the Vaporfly three. And they are, as far as I can tell so far, quite a lot like the Vaporfly 2. Okay. <laughs> um, however, I should caveat it with the fact that I have run once in them and then got injured like straight afterwards. So I've not really had much chance to test them. They do, um, yeah, no, There's there are some differences. So there's definite, I think, uh, more cushioning under the heel, I think. Um, okay. Uh, but... I have noticed, I, I haven't found that they've worn as quickly, like, you know, on the Vaporfly 2s or 1s, as soon as you run in them, you get that wear on the heel if you're anything like a heel striker. And these haven't done that as badly. Um, there's all sorts of weird ways in which they've tried to shave off some weight. So they've got these kind of like stepped um, mm. sort of sections of the of the undersole, which are kind of all designed to just like take away tiny little bits of foam here and there and like a little window in the side, which looks a bit like when you used to have the window so you could see the AirPod in your Nikes and things like that. The upper is kind of a, a like a mesh. So like rain will just flow completely through. It's not, the you know, the, the windsurfer kind of material that they had on, on some of the two on the twos. Like other than that, I think, yeah, it was it was real. I really enjoyed running in it when I did. I had a really good race. It felt 
very similar, as I say, to the twos. And, and I think, you know, no one's going to put them on and be like, oh my goodness, these are horrible. <laughs> I doubt that. Possibly mm. a bit squishier, maybe. But as I, yeah, I've only run once in them. So, well, um, yeah. but big downside. And this, I, I think, is the case across all of the uh, Nike shoes. Uh, my lace came undone because I didn't double knot and cost me a podium place in the race. So they have a big negative line. Why didn't you double knot? Why didn't you double knot? Yeah. Because I was being an idiot and I was so excited about my PB the day before that I wasn't really in like race <laughs> oh, mode. And I didn't get into that like, right, double knot, here we go. I was like, oh, I've got new shoes. I'm going to race again. Happy, happy, happy. Go <laughs> off. Halfway round, lace comes undone. I do like you. So there's a second race in two days. That's pretty, yeah. um, and you're pretty rapid in the second one as well. So that's good. That's a good sign for the shoes. It is a good sign for the shoes. Less good for my feet, apparently. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> Uh, right, well, you got the di- you haven't got the dynamite. The pink color is incredible. Yeah, I've got the prototype color. Oh, they're the very cool ones. They're like the actually cool ones. Yeah, the I mean they're white, but they haven't got too dirty. Um, yeah, so they've got they've got this like step thing going on underneath cool. and and cutaways and and they, I mean you take them out of the box and they're so light, but you kind of expect that now from racing shoes, don't you? So mm. yeah. <laughs> you'd be pretty annoyed if you picked out the vapor flies from a box and go oh, there. <laughs> cool all right well from one uh well we'll have hopefully we'll have somebody else up on the vaporfly soon a lot of people have been asking about it in the comments but from one complete shoe to another one and a surprising one the mizino wave rebellion pro which both of you have been testing yeah we've had the review up a little while now one versus i think it's it's the most interesting and exciting new carbon shoe i've tested in a long time it actually does feel a little bit i don't know they're all feeling a little bit samey these days in some ways it's fair to say uh, because they're all converging on the same formula but Mizuno is something a bit out there and seems to have found a way to skirt regulations by cutting away the heel and doesn't seem to be 40 millimeters to me Jill but uh, <laughs> where they measure it I guess it's okay. Yeah uh, from everything I've been reading spec wise it is not 40 millimeters <laughs> but because of the way that word athletics measure it comes in within it because it's at the point from from at the deepest point it's um the actual sole itself isn't 40 millimeters so yeah it's it's a bit tricksy i mean it's bonkers looking isn't it yeah you know that kind of like missing bit halfway around the sole and then the heel missing as well but (laughs) i i have to say like i um they feel pretty firm to me but the thing that i found about them was that when your form starts to go because you're tired it kind of gives you that like mental cue to get your form back because you only really get the, I found, I only really got the, the full benefit of them when I was kind of keeping forward and on my toes more than kind of really heel striking and starting to kind of slouch a bit. So I think kind of from a, a mental cue point of view, it's really, really interesting. Also, they're super grippy because they've got these kind of like tiny little lugs on them, which is yeah. quite different as well to and most of the other super shoes that really, you know, minimize that outsole, don't they? To kind of save yeah. weight. Oh yeah, I'm really impressed at how light they still are with that outside. I said that in the review was very surprised, but I definitely agree with that about like the cue to. Well, I only did five k in them, and I could feel okay. Get back, get lean forward again. Um, problem with that is I, I just worry what happens at kilometer thirty eight of a marathon when it goes get back forward again. You go no, I don't want to. <laughs> um, whereas over the shorter races, you kind of can pull yourself together a little bit, can't you? Yeah, I agree. So I think it's like in the other reviews I've read on kind of other sites and stuff, people have been like, this is definitely a marathon shoe. It's not a shorter distance shoe. I actually disagree with that. I don't think I would risk it on a marathon for that exact reason. Hmm. I think it's perfect for 10K because it really kind of gave me that cue. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be comfortable 
as a heel striker running a whole marathon in it but yeah if you're more natural midfoot i'm sure basically it's a bit more of an unknown i think this one is just you don't know exactly what's gonna happen later on i've loved it on every run i've used it for and i've never really felt like even actually it's weird to say that because your mile is like the shortest rep but you know how bad you're running at the end of a mile rep and your legs are like you know they're pointing in all directions it still felt like it was really helping and I love it. I think it's so fun that that you know takes. So I am very keen, and I think it's really comfortable because they've cut out the plate under the forefoot, which is an area mm. of uh, fatigue for me sometimes in races. So certainly, one I'm keen. To, I'm tempted to use it if I do do London, depending on um, depending on various dates. If I do do London, <laughs> mm. um, which won't be, I won't be fit enough to really go for a PB, but I'll go for a hard effort. It's probably the shoe I'm leaning towards giving a go. I'll do the same, Nick. We can both Mizuno it around London. <laughs> if you make it. <laughs> tipping over falling over the wrong way on the on yeah. the mall <laughs> you've got the splatter ones haven't you i've got the lovely pink ones that look a bit yeah similar. the kazi Komi, i think it's based on some kind of it's yeah inspired by calligraphy it's, it's very oh, cool i thought someone had melted a cow <laughs> it does look a little bit like a cow or inspired by calligraphy depending on how you're feeling that day i guess um yeah, it's kind of, cooler. yeah it's, it's, it's a it's one of those shoes i pull on i go oh, i can't really pull this off like i'm not a cool guy like <laughs> hold on hold on you're the guy that wears like shades that look like you're from blade yeah, Runner. but they feel like they're more obviously like silly they, like you're saying i'm definitely not cool yeah, I, i'm yeah. so uncool i can wear these yeah, i can wear these yeah whereas, whereas these feel like they're, they're, but these are actually cool right i think a lot of people don't look cool in those shades i think you know cool runners look cool ben is running look cool in these yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he definitely looks cooler than you um <laughs> all right uh so from that carbon plate shoe to another carbon plate shoe. We've got the Hocker Rocket X2 in. Mm. You've not tested this one, have you, Jill? No, I haven't. I'm really interested to. I've heard good things about it, but I have. I was a big fan of the Rocket Rocket X original, though. Very nothing like shoe. that, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way, yeah. Okay. Is it in a good way? Well, I oh, it's a proper carbon shoe. I it's think completely the ro- different. I mean, if if you if you had those two shoes together the rocket x is almost like a training partner to the yeah. rocket x okay. tom, is, tom is a very very gets very annoyed when running shoes continue the same line but make very different shoes and he's right too but um yeah because it, it doesn't make much sense to call it like it's like the new on cloud surfer and they don't yeah. even, don't even well, gen- it, number those generations completely different shoe I, I was thinking about this and it's basically for marketing isn't it like you've built up that brand name yeah. you've built up all the pages and everything and the search around that so when you release a new one it's really easy to market it but yeah nimbus annoyed me I, I think that's a well I don't know I mean obviously the marketing bods know better than me but I think that's a false economy because I think you know if you love the previous shoe and then you buy the next one you're just going to be really annoyed with the brand mm-hmm. if you didn't love the shoe and then you buy the next and then you're never going to buy the next one anyway based on yeah. the name so I don't really understand what yeah I agree with the second one. exactly yeah like people go oh well how could I don't really make great carbon shoes it's called the rocket again I'll skip it and yeah, um yeah. but the rocket x I did like the rocket x but I, I use it more as a trainer Oh yeah, 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 definitely a training shoe. Whereas yeah. this is a, this is you know, it's um, I my concerns about it is I think it is very soft and squishy, and I sometimes don't get and by the end of a like the second day of a run in it, having run it the previous day, and only totaling about twenty seven k something like that, it did feel like it was compressing a bit the foam. But I did have an amazing track session in it on Tuesday, so in the rain, but it gripped really well, and I ran a lot of fast reps. So now I like it again. I'm going to race it this weekend and um and see how I feel about it bit more mm. how do you find a carbon plate but with a fairly low drop because it's only five mil isn't it yeah and it's also actually a low drop because some of them are so rocked they don't feel like low drop shoes like the new balance is a low drop it doesn't feel like a low drop this because it's really soft at the heel as well it feels if anything lower so 
I noticed it in the 5K when I did the park run. It was like the second part of a session, a classic Andy pre-park run 5K and then the park run. Um, Andy's our coach, by the way. We keep saying his name. We haven't <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I felt like, yeah, it's a bit actually like the Mizuno. Like, I can tell if I'm rocking back, I don't get a very smooth roll through because it is very soft and it is actually low drop. But I do actually, I, don't, I quite like, still quite like racing in some low drop shoes, but I don't think it's going to be as tippy forward as some of the others for sure. Mm. Um, but I found it really soft. You said it, you thought it, you thought it was quite firm, Tom. I, I think it's really soft. Well, I, I, first time I ran it was like four days after coming back from Barcelona, so my legs were wrecked. And <laughs> anything felt firm after that. I did a, I did tracking it last night, and I did enjoy it for that. I don't think it's as soft as you're saying, though. I'm definitely not. Okay. And, and it reminds me of something like Puma Puma Nitro. Uh, oh, I think it's way softer than that. The Puma for me. Really, I did. I don't think it's that far off. Okay. I need to run it again. And what's the wear like on the outs- outsole? Because that's a problem with ho- some hokers, isn't it? It's like, got rubber, yeah. this one. So yeah. it's okay. Yeah, so and I was amazed. Completely like, different shoe. Completely <laughs> different shoe. <laughs> it was torrential at the um, track. Like, you know, there was that genuinely, I wasn't making up. There was actually a duck walking around the track. It was that way. And um, it yeah. gripped the whole way through. And I was doing like 300s by the end. I really should have been in spikes, but I'm not going in spikes. I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> right, let's, let's move on from shoes now because uh, uh, we're getting too in depth. We, we, we've got, we've got, you've got a review up on the channel, haven't you? Okay, yeah, I've got the Rocket X reviewers up, and I'll do a race review. We've got a race review probably this weekend because I'm right. Uh, you might do a five k in it, and I'm doing mm-hmm. my seven point two k, the big one. The big one, yeah, <laughs> the big one. Cool. All right, then. Well, let's do these. Let's jump into something that isn't a shoe, or a couple of things that aren't shoes. But what? Maybe just do a, a brief overview of these. Uh, Nick, Garmin Four Runner Two Six Five uh yeah brilliant like it's it's more expensive than the previous version that's only worth it if you want the amoled screen obviously so it's i view it as an extension of the forerunner 2x5 range rather than a new watch and an upgrade because it's basically the 255 of amoled and training readiness which is really annoying that garmin didn't put that on the 255 i think i think that's a little bit uncalled for i know they like to differentiate things very minutely within the range but it's pretty it's probably if i was buying a watch i think it's the one that i would go for because i don't need the maps on the top ones as much as i love the maps on the top watches i i very rarely leave the uh, five, immediate five kilometers around my house so <laughs> if i get lost within yeah. that that's my fault but yeah no really good watch it's it's exactly what people wanted which was a mid-range forerunner with an amoled screen and it does that really well and we've got a video up on the channel already about that yeah jane and i reviewed that for the channel excellent and then finally a bit of a, a an interesting one not as maybe exciting for some people as the uh the, the garmin let me just find out the name of it casio G-Shock. g-shock hbd g2000 yeah it might be gbd i might have written that wrong gbd h2000 okay. <laughs> anyway it's casio's sports watch it is about you know it's about three nearly 400 quid 400 it is if you love g-shock and want a g-shock sports watch it is now quite a good sports watch it's fine if you are not that fussed about whether it's a g-shock or not there are many many better watches for that money um kind mm. of simple as that really it does everything okay now gps is quite good heart rate's terrible can't connect an external sensor it's little things like that that mean it's not really going up against garments but it's got some polar features on it which are obviously useless if the heart rate's wrong <laughs> but um yeah it's all in all it's fine if you if you love that g-shock look which i have heard from from the kids it's pretty cool uh i don't know i wouldn't know myself but um then it's now an okay sports watch whereas I, the previous I, version I, wasn't i think it looks like it goes with your your shades your visors <laughs> I, I, me and jill are just looking at you thinking no 
no, not not for us. Thank I, you very much. I think we need to get like and like use Nick as a dummy and choose like an outfit <laughs> for him with like those shoes, those visors, and the yeah. and the watch. No. He'll do it anyway. He'll do it anyway. He'll, he'll just check out his Instagram. He'll, okay. it's, it's like he's fancy dress most days. I like the glasses. I like the fun. I like the funky color things. I uh, I, I like I, the watch. I, I didn't actually like because it was a bit big, and it, 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 at night it was a bit uncomfortable, and I couldn't sleep, <laughs> so I had to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Uh, well, if you're interested in... Uh, That's reviews just gone up today. Retro-style um, watches. Yeah, go and have a look at that because uh, me and Jill don't want to talk about it anymore. Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's jump on to different gear. Running, running facts. facts! All right, let's finish this off with uh, a running f- another <laughs> running fact because um, I know you're, you're, you're desperate for these because I've bigged them up quite a bit. Okay, just to clarify, this is from ChatGPT as well, so... Uh, no, absolutely no verification so blame ai for uh it's nonsense uh apparently the 5k rest race distance is the most popular race distance in the united states uh, according to uh, running usa's annual report the 5k race distance accounted for 47 percent of all road race finishes in 2019 hmm. um now that's not the interesting bit that's quite obvious um, <laughs> the half marathon is 21 percent, but the 10k is only 10 percent, which i thought was very odd yeah yeah I would have thought that, that that was the other way with the other way around half marathon tanker. What's the standard turkey? Is there a standard turkey? Turkey Troy is five k or five miles. That's probably why. Uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be a... uh, they don't do ten k's as much because they love a five miler. Oh, no, I mean, thirty-seven percent. But... How many were on Thanksgiving weekend or around Thanksgiving? Now, Jill, I <laughs> chat, chat GPT. Yeah, be on. very specific with what you're asking there, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not, I don't want to go back and, and delve in further to it. Uh, but uh, if anybody knows, please. Please comment or, or, or messages. And uh, also, you can feel free to say that that's nonsense. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll and blame. if I'm wrong on turkey trots being 5k or 5 miles, that could be me being wrong as well. Oh, going to get a load of <laughs> A load of turkeys going to comment. All right, then. Another one of them in a bit. Running, Running facts. facts. Okay, so we've got a bit of a special interview. Sometimes we throw interviews into the podcast. We've got one, uh, and Nick, you did this one, didn't you? This was a, a, an interview done with an, with an athlete. Uh, yeah. What's... We've spoken to Rose Harvey uh, through Puma. She's a Puma, Puma athlete. Uh, which I actually spoke to Rose for an interview for a different uh, publication, not to run testers, uh, the week before the London Marathon that she ran so incredibly well at last year. So want to speak to her again to catch up see what she's doing this year what her plans are it's not actually marathons for the coming few months so that's quite interesting and how she's been doing with training over in america so yeah spoke to rose harvey for all things training and she also gave us her marathon essential outside of classic kit so that's one mm-hmm. to listen out to for in the review in the interview cool well here is that interview thanks very much for joining us today rose uh, it's great to speak to you and Hope all's well with you. Good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. So really want to talk a bit about your training really in this and get an insight into what it's like training as an elite marathoner, what people can maybe take from that and what might be a little bit something that they can't take from it because they're not elite marathoners, but I'm sure there's lots of stuff that people can learn uh, from yourself. And it'd be great to talk about maybe what you've been training like this year. I believe you've been in the US. Uh, what have you really been doing? Yeah, so um, yeah, I've been in the, in the US the last couple of months. So it's been really fun training vlog. Um, actually doing something a little bit different this spring because I'm not doing a marathon um, so it's the first non-marathon training block I've done so yeah it's it's been different but really fun and just it's it's always fun to mix it up and you know just have a bit of a 
bit of a change to the tempo. So working on some shorter distances this spring, 10K, half marathon focus, mm. a lot on the track. And really the whole the whole goal of it, to be honest, is is to improve my marathon. I've kind of always felt like the speedier stuff is my weakness. I think having not gone through the traditional trajectory of, you know, training as a track runner, as a junior and working up that way, I went straight into the marathon a couple of years ago. So I've actually never really developed that shorter distance system. And I've always felt like that's held me back a little bit, even in the marathon, because you kind of do still need that. If anything, just to make the marathon pace feel a bit easier. (laughs) So yeah, I've been really working on that this spring and um, yeah, also to try and get a, a fast half marathon, fast 10K in. So yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been it's been hard. It's a very different system, a different work, but it's uh yeah, it's been great. I seriously yeah, I did something last year because I didn't do the track stuff. I remember going to do some fifteen hundred meter races indoor and everyone was like fifteen years younger than me, just rinsing me these kids. And it was like, <laughs> oh god, I have to go back to the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent the first few weeks of training getting my ass kicked on the track. But, <laughs> but I kept up by the end. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've been in America. So Colorado was that altitude training or was it just to be in Colorado? Uh, what was that? Yep, Colorado, we're in Colorado Springs. So um yeah, it's eight and a half thousand feet I think so quite high altitude it's actually the highest altitude I've done mm. so that was like another factor a bit unknown but um but yeah it was great actually it was yeah once you once you got I mean it, you always feel it you never completely get used to it but after a few weeks you do kind of get used to the struggle I guess and <laughs> yeah it's it's, an, it's just an incredible place to train cold but sunny every day and not quite like the weather here at the moment it's just been raining every day since I've been back um but yeah it's just it's an incredible place to train lovely to be in the mountains and just really fun being with the with the Puma group as well brilliant and then when you've come back down uh did you immediately feel the difference in breathing and it been, have you done a race or any kind of hard, hard session since coming down from altitude and how much easier does it feel really when you do that yeah I came I well we went to I, I then went to North Carolina after Colorado. So um had a month there as well. And yeah, the first few sessions feel amazing because you just, you suddenly, you know, you're like, oh my God, I can breathe. <laughs> and even when, even when you're, you're doing really hard reps, your legs feel shot, but your, your lungs don't. So yeah, it's definitely a very nice feeling for the first, I'd say the first couple of weeks after coming down, it, it does feel really good. And it's just, I think you at altitude the biggest thing I notice is kind of once you go past that red line in training sessions there's no return you're gone (laughs) it's so hard to come back from it and if you just push it a little bit too hard that's you you really notice it whereas at sea level you can kind of redeem yourself quite a bit easier (laughs) so so yeah it was um it's definitely a lot more comfortable training at sea level but altitude's good for you <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and then so you're you're saying focusing on these slightly short distances this year what would a typical training week look like for that and how much would it differ to when you were training for the london marathon say last year so in terms of my training structure it's not that different to be honest still do two sessions a week uh it's a bit more on the track at the moment hmm. when i was doing marathon stuff normally like one would be on the track the other would be on the road and then I'd do a long run at the weekend. Mm. This block's been 
twice on the track and then the long run at the weekend and the long run's been a bit shorter than when I was doing a marathon block but other than that pretty pretty similar not actually I've decreased my mileage a little bit but not that much I'm probably I mean I never did like huge mileage for the marathon either but I think I was doing about like 90 to 100 miles a week for the marathon now I'm doing 85 to 90 so it's not like a huge step down but and in terms of the session volume it's also not like a huge step down but I'm not doing any long runs with marathon pacing because there's not really much point in doing that at the moment <laughs> so yeah just just nice long runs to time which is refreshing <laughs> yeah <I bet. laughs> um and are you mostly now training with a group has that always been the case for you or do you just have someone on a bike or do you try and get training with a group if you can I know in America we assume you're working with some kind of team out there yeah so in America I was, I was training with the Puma Elite group yeah. and they're they're normally based in North Carolina but we all went out to Colorado as a as a team so as a a training camp and yeah I mean that that's incredible it's just it's so helpful to have that team environment people to drag you around the track and just everyone does everything together so you all do like easy runs together your gym together everything so it just I guess it just like takes the thinking out of it it just makes it so easy all you have to do is turn up do your best and then you know it's everything else is taken care of which is yeah it's just it's a really great way to train it's such a luxury to be able to do that and then yeah when I'm in the UK I train I just train with a couple of couple of guys who live locally um so it's not it's not quite as sort of structured I don't really have like a group as such but um yeah a couple of regulars who who are absolute saints and help me out on the track and <laughs> some kind of sacrifice their own schedule for me, which is, yeah, incredibly kind. <laughs> That's nice. That must be exciting for them, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog for easy runs. <laughs> right, yeah. So the dog, I believe, Jane knows, right, from the run testers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Told me about this. Yeah, she, she knows yeah. that dog. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes, connections, dog connections. Jane talks about a dog a lot, so I hear a lot about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, another thing we've talked about a lot on the channel is running shoe rotation do you use a very big rotation or do you have a couple of favorites from the human range you use or what what would your breakdown of shoe use look like uh, for types of runs yeah I, t- I to be honest I tend to kind of stick to the same shoes I don't change it up massively you know I find one that works for me and I stick to it okay. so my everyday mileage shoe is the Puma Velocity 2 and I just I love a shoe because it's just it's so comfy it's just does so many miles you know it's a real like it's just a real workhorse and it's yeah it's great it's not kind of too high stack but it's got a nice amount of cushioning um no carbon plate in it which I quite like for easy one I mean some people do like like all their running in carbon shoes but I just feel like I don't know it's I feel like it's better for my feet to have a bit of a break from them so yeah I do most of my mileage in the velocity twos and then my Tempo workouts I'll do in the Deviate Puma Deviate 2, which is kind of a, it's like an in-between, it, yeah, it's a tempo shoe, essentially. Um, <laughs> it's in-between, kind of, it's got a plate in it, but it's not as aggressive as the ratio. So it's kind of a nice in-between to, does a bit more mileage than the ratio, is a little bit less aggressive in terms of the push in it but it still kind of gives you a little bit of a boost and saves your legs for the longer workouts <laughs> so I use that one for yeah any tempo long runs and then my ratio is the Puma Deviate Elite 2 okay. which yeah is such a good ratio I actually do like 
all of my speed workouts in that as well. It's great for the track because it's like not too high stack. So it's quite stable and you can go around the bends without killing your ankles. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that's also my marathon shoe. So brilliant nice. one. <laughs> nice simple yeah no that's great uh, i'm a big fan of lost it i've talked to death about it on the channel so i don't need to talk about it anymore now but, <laughs> um, and then so you have, you mentioned 10k half marathon do you have particular races in mind or can you even reveal those i'm not sure exactly what the protocol is but yeah what, what are you when are you looking to actually put this training onto the into the races yeah so I'm, well i'm testing out the track which i've never done before <laughs> and um it's a bit of a learning curve like the spikes are take some getting used to i've never worn spike so it's <laughs> yeah it's been a bit of a shock but um probably going to do the night of the 10k pbs which oh, wow. is the highgate race in london so i i've always wanted to do it i've been to it a few times it's just like such a cool atmosphere so that's been on the bucket list for a while so i think if i can if i can master the spikes by then that would be great <laughs> and then other than that like it's a bit up in the air to be honest the I'm trying to find some fast 10Ks, half marathons this spring, but mm. it's, yeah, it's a bit limited with options and training camps. But right. yeah, I'm hoping to get kind of one or two 10Ks and a half marathon in the diary before before autumn. Fair enough. It's always it's always Battersea Park. You eight laps there for a half marathon. It's uh, it's great fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've done ten k on the track since they banned the shoes. I don't think I can go back to twenty five laps in spikes. So yeah, that's that's my big issue. If I could do them in my road shoes, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another thing, uh, actually, I'd love to. Say, we did talk about this before, but just because my dream trail. But what was that trail you're talking about in North Carolina? Which is basically what I'm what I'm seeking for every day of my life is a trail like this. So yeah, that would be great to talk about that. Oh yeah, the American. <laughs> tobacco trail it's it's exactly that it's like the trail that every runner just dreams of having on their doorstep <laughs> and uh, which is exactly why the group is based there because it's got this you know these incredible facilities and it's just yeah it's a completely well pretty much flat I mean when when I'm with the group they talk about going up the hill if you've been to Richmond Park and do your easy runs around Richmond Park this is not a hill <laughs> it's like a very gradual incline okay. um which is very nice coming backwards because you're yeah. kind of going down slightly and just rolling nicely but yeah it's this compact trail doesn't get muddy pretty quiet doesn't have many bikes on it no cars it's yeah it's really a dream trail goes for <laughs> A long way <laughs> <laughs> that's true if i'm ever a billionaire i'm just gonna build myself one of those i could move there actually that would make more sense but um <laughs> yeah, probably the easier option <laughs> <laughs> and another thing so this podcast here we are talking about i know you are talking about shorter races now but obviously everyone knows you from the london marathon last year we talk about marathon essentials some stuff that people don't really think about and for example i picked out some socks and some shorts is there anything that there's you you know apart from the obvious like shoes and uh, watches everyone thinks about that maybe people who don't think about being crucial to a marathon performance that you've used throughout your life that you think is oh I love using that for a marathon I never want to do a marathon without that is there anything that really comes to mind for that I think getting some really good fuel is is really crucial and kind of working out what works for you Uh, I use Morton and I've always found it it is yeah it just works for me I think it's a lot of the gels I struggle with the taste of them like they're so sweet and <laughs> I've made I've, I've really learned the hard way like the first marathon I did I didn't I didn't practice with gels I didn't practice with drinks I used to just I'm a bit of a camel like I just used to go for these like two and a half hour runs and have like no water or anything <laughs> um and then tried to do a marathon with for some for some bizarre reason I I chose these like 
banana flavored caffeinated gels <laughs> oh it was the worst mistake I, I had like two and just yeah. couldn't do any more so and I still I don't really like bananas since that day yeah it was bad my um, friend, this one, he went for the little goo birthday cake flavor, and he carried like fifteen. It was a goo one, yeah. Yeah, it was and so it's bad. So intense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like concentrated as well, so it was. Yeah, I can still kind of remember the taste. <laughs> it was a bad day, so yeah, I think just finding something that isn't a banana flavored caffeinated gel <laughs> um, <laughs> Step one. doesn't make you sick. Uh, is it? Yeah, is really essential. Okay, so Different Gear this month is, well, there's a lot of marathons going on over the next few weeks. So Different Gear, we're going to be talking about how to pick a marathon shoe, what you need to be looking for in marathon shoes. Now, to be honest, we don't advise you getting any new marathon shoes at this point because you're probably (laughs) in the final stages of your training. But it might be interesting to listen to you for the next one that you do. So got a few questions here for us to talk through and just really give advice on different things that you might look out for when you're picking up your next uh, marathon race shoe. So let's start off with a nice simple one. What makes a good marathon shoe? I think a shoe that you love putting on your feet, first of all, you want something that you're going to put on and think um, that you you know, know that you're going to feel comfortable in it. But that said, I also think a a little sprinkle of fairy dust um if that's not too like nefarious term but one of the things i think is great about carbon shoes is that they just like if you don't use them in training and then you use that like you know um and uh, use them a bit in training but then you know only really use them on a race day you get that little switch in your brain goes ah race time now so i think you want something that is comfortable but not completely normal mm. Yeah, you definitely want that little little spark for race day. I, I don't think viewers mostly you want comfort, protection, and then certain runners will want speed as well. And it used to be you couldn't really get them all in a package. You kind of can these days because phones are so lightweight. But protection, I think, is is underrated. If you uh, if you keep yourself in good shape, you're going to run better at the end of a race. So opting for maybe a yeah a slightly more cushion shoe, and if it's a bit heavier, is usually the way to go. Especially as you can wang in a carbon plate, and it kind of takes away the weight anyway. I would say that I, mean, I, I race in complex shoes. I race in some of the top tier complex shoes, but uh, I know a lot of runners don't necessarily want that. So I think there's there's probably it largely depends on what type of runner you are. But I think ultimately, outside of anything else, whether that's speed or anything like that, it's comfort. Because I've raced, I've done like marathons in shoes that I've not found comfortable. They may have been fast. Uh, I did actually did a half marathon the other day, Brighton half marathon in the the, the uh, Dolphin Elites, Suckling Dolphin Elites. And my feet were in tatters the whole way. I was in so much pain. Got a PB, got a wonderful PB, but I didn't enjoy it one bit. So I'd say uh, really comfort is 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 the focus. I would say for 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 shoes above anything else uh, for me. But um, you know, if you're an elite, you probably forgo that for uh, a few few marginal seconds. Well, I think you want to bear in mind how long you're going to be on your feet as well. That's that that, that trade-off, isn't it, with the, the elite yeah. versus the, the non-elite. You know, if yeah. you're non-elite, you're going to be out for like, you know, four hours, whatever, three hours. Then, you know, any stiffness around the heel or any kind of like lace lock system that is remotely uncomfortable or any tongue that slips down is going to be a massive issue. If you're yeah. an elite who's running like 210, then things aren't going to 
ramp up so quickly with that discomfort anyway. Um, so yeah, I think just watch out for all those kind of pressure points. Yeah. Play to the type of runner that you are and what you're aiming to do in the marathon. Don't just go for the top, the most expensive, best complex ratio out there because <laughs> it might not be the right one for you. Uh, all right. Well, that leads on to what should, what do you think people should look for in a marathon shoe when they're going out shopping, when they're on, online, what, what should they be looking out for when they're trying to pick their marathon shoe? So it is all obviously very individual and all that kind of stuff in terms of what kind of drop you like and all that. But it is, I think there's a bit more convergence now. And it used to be in the, in the past, if you wanted speed, you're looking at like a very flat, lightweight shoe, which did trash your legs a little bit. But now you don't have to make that trade off. You can get a nicely cushioned shoe. I personally would be looking at shoes 30 millimeters of stack and above because you might as well have that cushioning. It's so lightweight these days. And then it really comes down to the question of, are you looking for real comfort just to enjoy the race? In which case, get yourself a nice cushioned cruiser of a shoe without a plate. And if you are looking for speed, then you start looking at shoes with a plate and picking between them and trying to find one that suits your fancy, whether that's certain drop or a certain feeling underfoot, a firmer feeling, a softer feeling, a bouncier feeling, a tippy forward feeling. There's a lot of choice out there. But yeah, I generally start with a, a nice big slab of cushioning and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it depends on, on the runner you are. So if you're the kind of runner who doesn't want to spend a fortune on a shoe that you're only going to wear a few times before it wears out or, you know, the sole isn't at its best, then you're going to be looking for, you know, slightly more durable outsole, something that you can train in a bit more as well as run your marathon in. Um, however, if you're someone who is like purely ultra everything at it to get a PB, then you want to be looking at, you know, super lightweight, you know, think about your running style, as Nick says, you know, if you're a up on your tippy toes person, you might be looking for a, a slightly different shoe to someone who's a heel striker. Um, so it's, again, it's just kind of knowing your your own needs, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think choosing a marathon shoe for somebody who, who isn't experienced in the type of marathon shoe they need is really, really difficult because it's not like a normal shoe where, you know, you go out, buy a shoe, you start running in it, you do loads of miles in it and you, you, you get to know you know, you, you enjoy that shoe. With a with the marathon shoe, you're only really finding out if that's the right shoe during the marathon. Um, there's many shoes that I've done training in and then uh, and then got to the marathon and gone, oh, this is not a great shoe for, you know, the last 5K of a marathon or something like that at the speed that I'm running at. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of shoes that I found out have been fantastic and really won the day for me. But it, I think it is very difficult. Um, so I would say for someone like a beginner, it's probably best to go for a safe option there's a lot of new shoes coming out all the time and every one of them sort of says it's the best one for races i'd say always go for with a tried and tested one that a lot of people really rate and have done for a while you know something like the vaporfly or something like that because you've got a safer bet than some of the new ones out there so yeah I'd, i i for most people i would say if they're new to picking shoes for a marathon go with something that a lot of people are really keen on don't go for something that has just come out and you also probably need to tailor a bit to your marathon. I mean, we're assuming people are doing big city marathons for the main, which are just nice flat roads, closed roads. But if you are, we were talking about having the marathon earlier in the podcast today. If there's a little bit of trail or a few shot, mm-hmm. a lot more turns in your marathon than usual, then that's something to take into account maybe when looking at very yeah. high stack shoes. And, and things like grip as well. If you're in yeah. the UK, you might need to pay, do a bit of that. Yeah, if it starts raining. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. want to be doing a marathon in a slippy shoe. And I think it's always worth considering as well some of those kind of training partner shoes. I'm aware that I say this as someone who's like, um, I, I love my carbon plate shoes. I love trying the brand new shoes. But actually, you know, we've seen in the past um, some of those kind of training partner shoes to the carbon shoes might actually be a better bet for someone who is 
you know, wanting something which is going to give them a bit more, but doesn't necessarily want to go all out or kind of risk the really aggressive carbon plate shoes. There's some there's some great ones out there, you know, like the Speed 3 or something like that, that, you know, is still going to give you that kind of race day feel, but mm-hmm. is is more kind of useful the rest of your training cycle as well. And is probably going to be less aggressive on your feet and less likely to cause you problems towards the end. Yes, yeah, and also thinking about towards the end, the other thing we haven't mentioned yet is stability, which is obviously a big thing with the higher stack shoes. It is worth really knowing yourself on that front. Like, is a shoe going to roll in? Like, I have a mate who's a really good runner, and he ended up he has a few carbon shoes and just used the Boston for his uh, the Adidas Boston for his half marathon and the marathons because he realised as good as Vaporfly was producing the results, it was really hurting him. And in a marathon, that can that might mean you don't finish the race, and that's the worst situation of all. Running, Running facts. All right, that's just there's just a lot of chat there about marathon shoes. Let's break it up with another of the fantastic running facts that uh, I've I've pulled together. Uh, this is quite interesting, actually. This one it's not one of the best ones, but it's quite interesting. The first ever five k race was held in San Diego, California, in 1970. The race was called the Crazy Legs Mini Marathon and was organised by a local track club and attracted over 200 runners. This is verified, is it? That's ChatGPT. So, five uh, k races in like the Olympics or anything like that. Five thousand meter races, at least. <laughs> maybe it's road race. Look, road this race. is ChatGPT. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm I, like when I take facts off of Wikipedia, this is even worse. And I should clarify here, as I normally do in every single episode of the podcast, none of this is verified. This is just coming off various sources. Please comment on it. Please argue it if it's completely wrong. This is not my fact. This is we're now one stage removed because it used to be Tom finding dodgy facts by Google, and now it's a robot finding dodgy facts by Google. So it's... <laughs> well, they're not they're not all from ChatGPT. I've got okay. some actually. I've did some good research. I'm just throwing the, the worst ones at you first to really yeah, yeah, yeah. get you ready for the big ones later on because the big ones are going to blow you away. Just to remind want... everyone that Tom did text me earlier today just to say how good his facts were, and so far we've had two of the worst ones. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They're not. They're still not as bad as some of the other ones I've done. No, that is true. Yeah. Running facts. Right. Okay. So we've kind of answered this one already, but a lot of people comment on the videos, especially when we do uh, ratios. Do, do people need carbon plate ratios when it comes to a marathon? Because it's almost nowadays. It almost seems all the marketing and everything is sort of expected. And if you haven't got a carbon plate ratio, then you've got the wrong shoe. But is that really the case? I would say you really don't need a carbon plate shoe. I think they are pretty unequivocally the best racing option for the marathon at a certain point of your running. But I wouldn't use a marathon, a complex shoe if I was starting out today. I think first marathon, I wouldn't use one. Unless you're someone who's very experienced, has raced loads of half marathons, it just happens to just do their first marathon, then maybe you'd be really experienced with the shoes. But I mean, there is an edge, but they are as always like the cherry on top of everything else. Um, and they aren't for everyone. They, they're expensive. They are unstable. I I don't think you need one at all. I think if you're going all out for a PB and you've trained in them, you've used them a lot, then they are, they are the best option. So that, so that is the problem. Like, I don't think there's any doubt anymore that they actually do what they say they do. Yeah, I mean, no one is going to get you to a start line of a marathon and be like, sorry, you're not wearing carbon shoes. You can't run this marathon. Yeah. Um, and also... Yeah, again, like it depends. It depends on your mindset, what you're what you're looking to achieve as well. Like, if you just want to finish a marathon, I say just like if you want to finish a marathon, it's not a just. Then 
absolutely you don't need carbon plate shoes and they'll cost you lots of money they might cause different fatigue on your body that you're not used to there's lots of reasons why they necessarily wouldn't be a good idea and also you can feel really smug knowing that you've done a marathon without carbon plate shoes when everyone else around you has got a little leg up from their carbon plate shoes so you get kind of like smug points as well that said you know it's very easy for someone like me who has carbon plate shoes or like us who've got <laughs> carbon plate shoes we run all our races in them to be like oh yeah no you don't need them but actually if you said to me tomorrow run a marathon and don't wear carbon plate shoes i'd be like oh but but <laughs> but that loses me like a couple of minutes because that is my mindset and i am i am time driven and i know that and so it depends on your mindset doesn't it on how you're running the race and like we said like how much you've practiced it and things like that but i do think there is something really nice about knowing that like purity of knowing your time as well that isn't from complex shoes because there's no doubt about it they will give you an edge for pretty much everyone like mm-hmm. we know that you know the response as far as speed varies a lot of people you know there's the whole four percent thing to begin with was like the maximum um but actually a lot of the benefit is as you mentioned tom in the past is like that lack of fatigue towards the end it's the protection and and the kind of the fact that you're not using those muscles as early on because you're getting that help so that is kind of one of the big benefits of them. And that will help most people to some extent. But, you know, if you're sensible in your shoe choice and you've chosen something which is comfortable, which you've trained in, then that is going to do you a whole bunch better than if you just go out and buy a common shoe, having no, never worn it before, um, throw a load of money at it, and then you don't know what's going to happen. Like that, that has the potential to kill your race loads more than not buying a carbon shoe in the first place. Nice. Yeah. I I agree with what you both said. <laughs> I have anything else, else to add to that, really. Although it's a good point that you said there, Jill. Um, I think if somebody said to me, you need to do a marathon tomorrow, can you wear these shoes instead of your carbon plate race shoes that you like wearing? I'd be like, not not sure about that. Uh, but I, I tell you, I would like to, it's been a long time. The first few marathons I did, I did in non-carbon plate race shoes. I don't think they existed at the time. But the, the, it's been a long time since I've done a marathon in, in, in a non-carbon plate shoe. So I would like to see how it how it felt, actually. I'd yeah, also my... say that, oh, sorry, they're not, you know, they are, they're definitely making a difference. They're definitely helpful. And if you, A, race, it's the thing you want, but it isn't going to be the difference. If you've trained really, really well and you rock yeah. up in any shoes, like my my first sub three I did in the Adidas Supernova, which is the biggest shoe I've still to this day have ever seen, just because I wanted a comfortable <laughs> shoe and it was fine because lots of great shoes are great for everything. They're all great for running. They're designed for running, most of them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, they certainly give you the edge, but I wouldn't be gutted if I didn't have to, wasn't wearing them tomorrow. Yeah, so like I ran my first sub three in A6 gel Nimbus, which yeah. are like, you know, dead weights on your feet. Wow. Um, and I ran my PB in Adios Adi Zero Twos, which are like super mm. racing flat type ones. Um, yeah. But that still stands to that day. And that is a bit of a, you know, I've come two seconds close to that, but that was in carbon plate shoes. So in my mind, it's not two seconds from that. It's like, you know, two minutes, two seconds or something. <laughs> yeah. So there is that thing as well of like, you, there's a little bit in your brain that if you've run in both you're like are the are the times comparable so say so maybe save yourself the heartache i'll tell you what i'd say if you're new to a marathon don't run in carbon plate shoes because if there is a benefit you get from it save that for a little bit later do yeah. the, do the first one in in shoes that you're comfortable with and then biggest know. shoes you can find <laughs> yeah, yeah. shoes yeah, two kilograms each um that's an interesting question though what would be i wonder what the lightest non-carbon plate shoes are that are still quite cushioned 
Well, they're amazing these days. I was, I was thinking the other day, if I was using the Mac 5 or like the Rebel V3, even the Brooks right. Hyperion Max, I would love to race them. Like, if you think, mm-hmm. even the Adidas Boston, which was the shoe I was going to use for a marathon until the last minute I managed to get some carbon shoes, when it was really hard to get them, it was heavier than those shoes. There are some amazing lightweight foams on the market now that just sometimes don't have plates in, and they're still really brilliant to run in. All right, uh, this should be a relatively simple one to do. This is a little bit like the last question, but it's more to do with, you know, if somebody is looking for shoes... They're on the internet. They're in a shop. The race shoes are really expensive. Do people need to spend a lot of money on marathon shoes? <laughs> um, no. No, they don't. They're actually, it's the best possible time to be getting into carbon plate shoes because there's a massive developed market now and there's loads of amazing older versions that are probably equally as good. In some cases, sometimes even feel a bit better than the new ones. So even if you're going for the very top tier of shoes, you can now get them at massive discounts if you're prepared to wait, keep an eye on things, shop around, wait for sales. So if you've got a marathon just after Black Friday, you're going to be in big luck, put it that way. Um, and also, if you're just looking for cushion shoes that are going to do the job, there are you can get those for a lot, you know, around... You can get brilliant ones for around £100 that are often reduced, things like the Nike Pegasus, the uh, Puma Velocity Nitro 2, comfortable shoes that will see you through the race um, and are often reduced even from reasonable RRPs. So I think this is the least you'd ever have to, you had to spend for a while uh, on marathon shoes as long as you're not insisting on buying the new £300 one. Never, You never have to pay ridiculous amounts of money for running shoes these days. And, and I remember I when... slightly disagree with you both, I'm afraid. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, this it's all relative, but it might... There used to be a time when you could get a decent shoe for 60 quid um, or 40 quid, even if you're really lucky. But like what we're saying now is you can get a decent marathon shoe for 100 pounds if you swap, if you shop around. You don't have to spend 300 pounds. Still a lot of money, Mm. but you probably probably do need to pay around 100, 120 pounds for something that is good enough. If you want to be kind of something that's going to get you through that marathon to show the training that you've been in. I agree, though, you don't have to go for the £300 one, you know, like the yeah. 90 percent 3 you know, why buy those when you can buy two pairs of the next percent 2 and they're not <laughs> that much difference um, for the same price. Like, absolutely, yeah, yeah. don't don't always go and buy the brand new one for the super price. And, and it is really good that, you know, there is competition now and they are going to have to price down on things, you know, like there is a bit of competition going on there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I still think like 120 quid, you've probably well, got to be around that mark, haven't you? Well, that's if you're going for like a, 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 a race shoe, shoe calm yeah. shoe. If you, yeah. I mean, you can get, you could quite comfortably run a, a nice marathon in the Puma Velocity Nitro Two, something like that. If you that was your focus, you just wanted to finish. I, I think that'd be quite a fine shoe to do. Reebok Flat Ride Energy Four as well is good one, but yeah, the flats yeah, yeah. flats were cheap because there was nothing there. That is that is one. That, I can say racing shoes have got a little bit more democratic in that they're much more comfortable, but. The pricing hasn't got more democratic, certainly. The flats were... Yeah. Flats were... You probably can still find some flats. Does any brand still make new flats? Well, I mean, the problem is, of course, that most of the new shoes are not track legal. So if you ever want to run like a 5K or 10K on the track, and you don't want... Obviously, you don't want to run that in spikes, probably, um, unless you're a pro. Actually, there aren't many racing flats out there now that are track legal. Um, so there's one, one of the on shoes and one of the old adidas ones that you can still get in sales and that's about mm. it the on shoe i think is harder on your legs than spikes that one <laughs> the one that the cloud flash. <laughs> all right so the, the so the last question i've got on here nice simple one for you what common mistakes should people avoid when picking up a new pair of marathon shoes anything you can think of where you go i've been tricked by that before don't don't do that buy the newest brand newest one straight away and <laughs> yeah, um, i bought the alpha yeah. fly it wasn't for me but I mean, and also don't be tricked into thinking you have to keep them necessarily. Most brands will let you send them back if you've, you know, barely run in them. So make the most of it. 
I'd say, I think a mistake generally made in marathons is going in thinking this is your last marathon, the only marathon you're ever going to do, putting it all on this incredibly important shoe choice. I'd say be a bit more relaxed, maybe really think about where you are and try and aim for a comfortable shoe uh, if you need one. And yeah, it was Tom said it earlier, but I, I say this is a general point because we get comments on video saying, oh, I saw so-and-so won this race in this shoe, so it must be the best shoe. Elites are great and they're all running in the top shoes, but elites have sponsors and they tend to be sponsored by two companies and it doesn't necessarily mean they make the very best shoes. We happen, I often use Nike shoes, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best shoes. But So yeah, I wouldn't get too distracted by that because there are a load of very good brands who don't necessarily sponsor the athletes in the same way and don't have the shoes on the people who are going to win those races anyway. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. just watch Boston and then pick up whatever shoe Kipchoge wears. If he wins, he might not win. <laughs> Well, I would say make sure you run a good distance run in the shoes that you want to do your marathon in before you do the marathon. Because if you get a new pair of shoes and do a few 10Ks in them, then you're not getting a good view of how that shoe is going to deliver over a marathon because it's a very different experience in the late stages of a marathon (laughs) with a shoe. And sometimes I've made some real clangers from... I've run marathons in new shoes before because I had to test them. Yeah. And um, they felt fine. I put them off. These are great. You know, first 5K, 10K, and then... You get to half marathon, like, oh man, these are awful. <laughs> I'm not enjoying these at all. Yeah, I don't think I'd go into a marathon in a shoe I hadn't done. I think 30k and a 30k that included some sections of hard pace to really, because yeah. you've got to put a bit of impact through the shoes to sometimes feel if they're going to be comfortable. Cool. All right, then, guys, I think that covers us for marathons. And if you're listening to this and you're doing a marathon this month or next month or wherever, whenever you're listening to this, good luck. Uh, hopefully, you found that useful. Running, Running facts. facts. Okay, let's go in for the next fact. Now we're getting to the facts that I actually think are quite good. Uh, now we've cleared out the chat GPT ones. Um, so this one is, uh, apparently the idea for the London Marathon first came about at the Dice at Arms, a gastropub near Richmond. Uh, as uh, Members from a running club chatted about their experiences at the New York City Marathon. Uh, former Olympic champion and journalist Chris Brasher and athlete John Disley were so impressed by the event, which they attended in 1979, that they decided London had to have one of its own. They went out to uh, set up the London Marathon in 1981. Did you know that? Didn't I didn't know. It was I didn't very, know that. I didn't know that they'd been so excited by New York. I actually didn't know New York was older than London. But Yeah, that's a good fact, isn't it? That's an interesting fact. fact. No, Tom. Yeah. That's a I'm good fact. And that one is actually from the Abbott website. So it's... I'm going. I'm. I'm going to trust that one. That's not. A, that's not an AI one. Uh, that, was, was, that was. That was. question him on that one, Joe. And he then he threw the Abbott website in our face. I was. I was waiting for somebody to come back. That no. I, I, I was pretty pleased. For the first time, I was pleased with the facts. So <laughs> next one, filming. The next one's even better. Pleased as punch. The next one's even better. Oh. All right. Another one of those fantastic facts. Uh, in a bit, if you carry on listening to the podcast. So well worth carrying on. Mm. Okay, guys, last bit of the podcast where we run through some questions that we've had from YouTube comments, from emails, and in on Instagram. Um, don't have to go into too much depth with these. And to, to be honest, most of these aren't really that difficult to answer. Um, let's, well, we'll say that now. We'll probably be chatting about this for the next hour. Um, <laughs> let's start. We've got one from MV. Uh, he says, thanks for the video. You're welcome. Question, does it have a good grip when it is wet? That That's about the Mac 5. I think it's been actually surprisingly good grip, because it's not got an outsole. I've never had any problems with the Mac 5 grip. 
Yeah, same here. I think it's pretty good. And I was doing quite a lot of running in the rain in it when uh, last year. So yeah, no shoes for me. Well, it does look like it probably wouldn't be that good, but it, it, it's fine. Okay. Awesome Plumbers uh, <laughs> says, this is an interesting. This is Mario uh, Luigi. Yeah. The Speedgoat 5, uh, this is this is word for word, but you get the gist. Speedgoat 5 at $155 or Tecton X at $140. Presumably he's asking, which would you buy? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the Tecton X is, I think, a slightly nippier shoe for racing. And the Speedgoat 5 is a more versatile, comfortable shoe. I think they're both do quite similar things really quite well they're both good shoes i don't do ultras where i think is where they probably shine the most but um i liked both but the speedgoat 5 is a shoe i like the most just for my kind of trail runs which are mostly quite relaxed so maybe a tecton 5 if you're a bit more if you're a bit more speedy focused yeah they're pretty similar for being what i i've used them for Mm. i'm surprised that the price is uh, not the price is that way around though yeah yeah okay uh michael jovel says great job thanks very much just curious, which is your favourite of the Spanish races? Oh, this was for me. Uh, great job. Just curious, which is your favourite of the Spanish races you have run? Good question. Somebody asked me this um, when I was over there. Um, and I said it was... Oh, no, it was on the podcast I went on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I said my favourite is actually Madrid, but it's really, really, really hard. Uh, the best one, technically, my favourite should be Valencia because it's a fantastic marathon. I think you've both done that as well, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, best, best marathon. Done Seville, done Bilbao, done Barcelona. They're not a patch on Valencia. That was my favourite, apart from Madrid. But don't do Madrid if you want to get a PB because it's ridiculous. <laughs> I Why Barcelona. is Madrid your favourite? What's good about it? It's just it. The the view is incredible. Madrid's on a big hill, basically. It's like an enormous hill right in the middle mm-hmm. of Madrid, and you basically run to the top of it. So you go, it's really hard. But when you get to the top, the view is incredible. Hmm. And it, 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 you don't normally get that sort of view in a marathon. And I was quite surprised. I didn't really look at the elevation or anything before I did it. Um, <laughs> but it was, I blew me away. But it, and I did had a really good race as well at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite a small marathon as well, um, which I quite like. It's a bit, bit low-key. Yeah, I've not really but, heard anything about it, apart from from you. Yeah, yeah. It's not that big. Um, and definitely nobody there seemed to care. <laughs> uh, there weren't many crowds or anything which i like don't, don't like, you know you know I don't like people cheering at me like just let me get on with it stop. yeah paul barons says is new balance hiero v7 worth a mention this is the best road to trail shoes uh not really it's all right i thought it's yeah. quite good i mean i probably would have mentioned it if i'd remembered it but I've, <laughs> that's probably a sign i guess but um yeah it's all right yeah. it's it, a solid shoe just a bit clunky for me it's a bit of a bit of a heavy shoe in yeah. comparison to some of the ones that i picked and when we got it at one of the launch events they took us on a really muddy run that couldn't handle that at all so there was that as well yes that's true <laughs> running, running facts. facts right quick running fact this is the last running fact this is one that i really like and uh, and i'll be you'll probably will know this one it might be the sort of thing that everybody knows and it's the first time <laughs> i i've i've heard of it and i'm i'm gonna look like a clown um, but okay so apparently the additional 0.2 miles of the oh, marathon started is this, is this a new is this, have you heard this, yeah, this. Tom. What? what you already know this one if it's a bit about London going up because the Queen wanted to see it or whatever yes it? That's, yeah. I've never heard that before <laughs> I bet there's people listening to this who haven't heard yeah, that give them the fact in full go on right so the uh, 0.2 miles of the marathon the additional 0.2 miles started at the 1908 at London Olympics because the royal family 
wanted to see it from Windsor Castle. Uh, start the race from Windsor Castle and the end of the race from the Olympic Stadium Royal Box. You both wow, know that. Tom, that's amazing. I've never heard that before. <laughs> if you were listening to this and you didn't know that, comment and go, that's actually a really good fact. Well, a bunch of suck-ups we are in this country. Tell them to move. Go and stand down and watch the race where it's finishing. Unbelievable. I'm just trying to, just trying to rile up people who don't like the Royal Family. Start singing the Beaver Republic or something. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's, that's a downer on the podcast now, isn't it? I'm so excited about that one. I've You're never really, heard of that was really good, Tom, though. Well done. So, that was a really good effort. Anyone, comment, anyone listening to this who didn't know that, please comment. Uh, what are they just... commenting on the podcast, by the way? <laughs> oh, you, can, you, can, you can leave you can leave a review on the like a message on the directly and uh, let him know your thoughts. <laughs> or oh, just well. put the comment on any run testers video and like watch true. him scrabble around, to figure out what on earth you're talking well, about. It's a good idea. Uh, what, Podcasting caps, and we'll do a search next month. And we'll find all yeah. the ones. Yeah, that I won't the next time. I'll just use ChatGPT for all of it. Oh, then those are the worst ones, definitely. I mean, yeah. at least the last one was interesting. The first seven times I heard it. Well, <laughs> I don't know why I've never heard that one, unless I've just never listened to it. I think it's been every time we've gone to like a, a marathon event with a brand who's you know sponsoring the London Marathon that would have been like on the wall somewhere so no, okay. yeah there we go then all right then. that's uh that's over for running facts this week running, running facts, facts. <laughs> oh I feel a bit bad now because he does look, he looks <laughs> quite down you, sh- you should you should right back into the questions V true says how does it compare to the endorphin pro three he's talking Brilliant. about rock so sorry brilliantly doesn't matter whatever shoe it is <laughs> It's the uh, Hocker Rocket X2, uh, that video. Uh, so how does it compare with the Endorphin Pro 3? Um, it's quite a good question. Right. This is going to be a versus we'll probably end up doing sometime soon. Yeah, it's um, well, we disagree a bit on the Rocket X. I think it's softer than you. So I, I think it. I think it's actually quite similar, but there's probably there's probably it's more of a rocker and a roll forward in the Pro 3. But oh, I think they're. I think I think the Hocker's a bit softer, but they're quite similar. Nonsense. Okay. Uh, I, I think uh, the, the, the Rocket X, I think in shape and size, I think it's probably quite similar. But I definitely think the Hocker Rocket is a little bit more of a poppier. I do think it's a bit firmer than the, the Pro 3. Probably it doesn't feel here. as natural. The Pro 3 is a very natural, comfortable feeling shoe. You can wear it as a training shoe. I wouldn't use Hocker Rocket X2 as a sort of... Yeah, it's just Pro 3 is a bit more relaxed. It's got a real roll to it. So yeah, it does roll a bit more, probably. But yeah. then, um, yeah. Okay. Tim Laporte says, how would you compare the Puma Velocity 2 with the Clifton 9? Uh, Puma's... It's interesting this one, actually, because I always you know, I always go on about how great the Puma Velocity Nitro is too, but I think when people I do that, people, I think, expect something magical when they pull it on. But what I, the reason I like it is because it is kind of quite normal feeling and grounded mm. and works very well and just has a nice feeling that so i think it is quite soft quite bouncy and then it gets a bit firm when you run quick and it works well for that whereas that clifton's a bit more of a rolling shoe it's a bit it feels a bit heftier even though it's probably the lighter shoe it actually feels a bit bigger to me but yeah i don't know i think the velocity feels a bit more normal yeah people velocity is a bit more versatile i think a bit more of a, a varied more varied daily shoe whereas the clifton nine is skews more towards cushioned softer runs although it is a far superior show to the previous versions so mm. i do actually like that shoe quite a hard um, question that tom i haven't really it's a hard question i think both of them are it's, an, it's a good question because they're both ones that you just sort of look like look up look look for for, in the, for the same things uh i think the clifton two uh, the clifton just skews more towards just sort of more cushioned longer mm. runs uh okay uh fina 1977 says hey tom sorry guys i'm not doing these on purpose these are just what 
but they came came up. Hey Tom, I think Tom, you're why are you so great? It's well, this is actually very. I'm not very doing this on purpose. That. I choose the questions, and just by accident, they're all. <laughs> <laughs> this one yeah. comes from Warm Teatly. Honestly, I went through a lot of questions to pick these out, and uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I wasn't going to pick this, but I was struggling. Hey, Tom, I think your profile on the Run Testers website is a bit out of date. Didn't you run under three hours in Chicago? Unbelievable. Yes, I did. Unbelievable. Yes, I did. But, but I, I added this in because everybody's are out of date at the moment. I need to go through and uh, update everyone's running times on there. But yeah, you're right. I did get under three. That's two, two hours 55, actually, in Chicago. Well, you do my 5K it. as well, Tom, actually. You get on that, actually. I don't like the idea of people seeing the wrong times. I think when you search, because one day on the train, Tom was asking ChatGPT if it knew all of our marathon times, and it, and it knew mine, but it was wrong. No, that was that was Bing. That was Bing's AI. Bing, ChatGPT's oh. finished in 2019 for the data it's got. So yeah, that's Bing. Oh, okay, good to know. ChatGPT is oh, a great source of pre-carbon shoes times. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I, I, that's that, well, hopefully. Actually, I might try Bing next time because they might have some more up-to-date running facts. Um, okay. uh, ben E says, uh, this is probably for you, Nick, because you bang on about it more than anyone. Best running belt for long runs. Hit me. I am now. I've made the move to be all about the actual shorts with belts built in. And, and yeah. that that is the is the future. Uh, it's not carbon shoes. It's being able to take the equivalent of like a week's holiday's worth of kit in your shorts without it bouncing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get the decathlon shorts i i don't think a problem I, I keep saying this i mean i think it's a bit sexist of decathlon in that the men's shorts are called men's marathon shorts and the women's ones are called kip run support tights no mention of marathon mm. even though they've both mm. got the exact same pocket system designed for marathon running i'm going on a trip tomorrow supporting well exactly to. that's the question I mean, either the mind boggles or it's a bit sexist one way or the other it's not a good thing probably but yeah i'm I'm with you about that it's all about the storage shorts like your um lululemons or your um on sprinter shorts we've got a storage shorts video coming actually kieran's editing it at the moment um so that will answer that. But if you got you desperate for a belt, then Decathlon do the hydration flask carrying belt. It's what it was cold, called. It might they have really long, like bad names, but and that's the one I've used for a couple of marathons, and that takes everything in it. It's great, and it's twenty quid. Okay, that was a good answer. Okay, one last one. Bang this out quick. Uh, this is from Cody. Hey, run testers, just wanted to ask your opinion on the on cloud surfer, the new one, presumably. Versus the Rebel V3. Uh, both seem like similar shoes of a medium stack, but quite soft midsole. Thanks. Well, uh, Joe, have you used the Rebel? I've not used the Rebel, no. I like the Cloud Surfer. I think if you've got um, any kind of stability issues, you might want to bear that in mind, or any kind of like um, glute or piriformis issues, because it makes you work a bit harder. But no, I can't compare them to the Rebel, I'm afraid. See, I love the Cloud Surfer uh, a lot. I think it's unbelievably smooth. It's one of the most enjoyable mm-hmm. just mooching around shoes I've come across in a long time and very different to what's on to number four. The Rebel is a, a bouncy shoe and it's a firmer feeling as a result and it's probably more geared towards fast running, the Rebel, I'd say. Um, it's less comfortable for just plodding. It's, it is pretty versatile. You can do a bit of everything in it. I would... I'd almost say they're a lovely little two-shoe rotation, actually, with the surfer rolling around in and the Rebel bouncing, but they're both not very stable. They're both kind of soft foams without the stabilizations of plates and all that you get these days. But the way the but the Cloud Surfer is not unstable for me just because I'm so in sync with the way it rolls through. It feels like it's perfect, and I don't know if everyone gets into that same kind of sync, so that's the... That's different. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I, I said it on my review video, it's generally the smoothest shoe I've mm. run in, in, like, as long as I can remember, which feels right, like... They were using that on marketing material. <laughs> 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 um, 
Whereas, yeah, I said it was, uh, I didn't say it, but yeah, it's the shoe that On says they've been making for the last 10 years. They probably won't use that in the marketing material, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but kudos to On. It's uh, the, probably the most exciting shoe they've released quite some time. And the On Cloud Monster was a pretty big move away from uh, the other shoes. But yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I really, I just really want to get a load of miles next. I'm really interested to see if that holds up that domino shape and see if it, you know, starts to lose that smoothness and breaks mm-hmm. down because it is so soft and the way it compresses really is so exaggerated. But at the moment, loving it. Okay, well, thanks very much for that. Right, let's uh, round things off now with videos we've got coming up. So we have Running Shoes, the full list, which, list, which I was meant to do in March, but we've been waiting for the Vapefly 3 to come in so we can all test it. Yeah. Uh, kind, of, kind of need to put that in there, um, <laughs> hopefully. We've got uh, Marathon Essentials, which, Nick, you're doing? Done. Okay, there we go. What's up? Running Watches, which Mike is, Mike's on holiday at the moment, so uh, might have to remind him about this. <laughs> uh, running headphones I've, is on the list cushion shoes i've got on my list which i completely forgot about which i'm looking forward to doing that's a lot of um, roundups that's a lot of work yeah. we're doing all of this i don't think we're doing so all in the next next few months it's not like next okay. week okay. Okay. um and best half marathons i'm going to be doing uh next month or, month or the next few weeks cool okay so if you want to contact us send us an email at team at the run com, or you can instagram a messages or leave us a comment or like something we've done or watch a video whatever you fancy doing uh, at the run testers and then on youtube obviously forward slash the run testers that's it for this episode thanks guys thank you sorry well they've gone already uh yeah um and uh, we'll catch you listeners next time bye, bye. bye. Didn't oh, wait, then. Tom. this episode of the podcast was presented by tom wheatley nick harris fry and jill bland podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley. Music was by Fear of Tigers. <laughs>